Hi, JFC. I'm so excited to introduce our guest speaker for this weekend, Paul Childers. Paul and his wife, Susie, and their children live in Kona, Hawaii, and are on the executive leadership at YWAM under Lauren Cunningham. They have founded and co-founded several ministries, including A Voice for the Voiceless and Word by Heart, and they are passionate about caring for the poor and the needy. Paul's originally from New Zealand and is a sought-after speaker on leadership and justice issues and has ministered in more than 75 countries. At all of our JFC campuses, would you give a warm Colorado welcome to Paul Childers. Thank you very much. And aloha, JFC. <laughs> aloha to all of those streaming online and to the campuses as well. It is such a blessing to be back here in Denver. I uh, just wanted to give a shout out from my family, um, Susie and the three kids now, um, and uh, from Hawaii. Uh, we love this church, and we do thank you for the support, the consistent support through the years. Uh, it is awesome to be able to partner with you and enable and, and to enable us to do our mission and ministry around the world. Just one thing that I'd like to just mention quite quickly before I get into the message, uh, there's some, a resource table out the back there, and there are some calendars and books about our ministry um, that will encourage and inspire you to be able to engage um, in prayer and as well as engage for what God is doing around the world. So you might just want to have a look at that afterwards. Tonight, I want to talk about the global experience. I want to talk about what God is doing in our world. Who's happy to be alive? Yeah. Honestly, we live in the most incredible time in human history. And we live in an incredible uh, time period, I reckon, where the Apostle Paul and all these heroes of the Bible, they would love to be living right now. I want to talk about this global experience. I also want to talk about what is my part to play? What is our part to play in this story? But before I get there, I want to give a little bit of a message from Lauren Cunningham, founder of YWAM and really mission statesman around the world. But I bought him tonight on file. And so if we can have that video clip, that would be awesome. Thank you. In the beginning, God created man in his own image. He walked with man in the cool of the Eden, but sin interrupted that union. So God created the missionary. God said, I need someone willing to say no to the status quo, no to the dream of wealth, leave their families to fly to a distant land and learn a language they have never heard, ride in cramped buses on backs of camels, someone who would sleep anywhere, eat anything, bear the heat, and fight the freeze with a smile on their face, just to take the gospel to a people not their own. So God created the missionary. God said, because the harvest is plentiful, I need someone ready to sow the seed, to plow the ground, water the seed, 
and reap the harvest which is ripe. Someone to go and train, to multiply the crops, and to answer the call and pay the price. So God created the missionary. God said, I need someone who is a radical servant of all, taking the lowliest job, washing the feet of the poor, caring for the sick, and cleaning their wounds. I need someone to visit the prisoner, care for the widow and the orphan, to sit in the dust with a child and tell them that they are loved. So God made a missionary. God said he needed someone who would believe that blind eyes could see and lame feet could walk and that the dead could live again. Someone who would pray long hours and intercede through the night with wordless groans of petition so that one soul might be saved. God said, I need someone honest and brave, full of grace, mercy, and compassion, free from fear and passivity, walking in true identity, someone burning with love and girded with truth, someone who radiantly reflects God's glory. So God made a missionary. God said, I need someone who would say yes before they were asked. Someone who would go to distant islands, barren deserts, inner cities, closed nations, next door neighbors, and prestigious universities to reach the unreached. Who would hike any mountain and endure any obstacle because how will they believe in him of whom they have never heard? How will they hear unless someone preaches? And how will they preach unless they are sent? So God made the missionary. All of this started with a young woman. She was about to be married. She was a woman of purity, integrity. She was really getting excited for her marriage day. That was just not, not too far down the line. And as she was in this state, God met her. An angel visited her and gave her greetings. And the greetings perplexed her. This message from God said that she would become pregnant miraculously from God. And she thought to herself, how is this physically possible? And then I'm sure all of these things flashed through her mind, you know, the implications of what that would mean. What is she going to tell her parents? Uh, God did this to me, right? <laughs> what was she going to tell her fiancé? How was she going to process this word that God gave her and this reality that she was going to move into? Mary had Jesus 
and this whole global movement that we are engaged with now comes back to one person, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Mary, who was a willing, faithful servant, who said yes to God, even though she did not understand how this thing could pan out. I mean, if you got a word from God that was words to that effect, would that challenge you at all? Uh, one person up here. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, it's a challenge. But she said yes to the call of God. Lord, whatever it takes, here am I. Use me. We know that Jesus had a powerful ministry, and this one man has created a global movement. Well, he was the son of God too. <laughs> but he created this global movement that, that the waves are still washing through the continents of the nations as, as we speak today. I'd like to give a little bit of a snapshot of what this looks like. If we could have the diminishing task slide. You see here, this is a research done by Dr. Ralph Winters and Dr. Barrett of the Christian uh, Encyclopedia. You see, a hundred years after Jesus, one out of every 360 people on the planet followed Jesus. And as the population of the world grew and grew and grew, look what happens to the ratio of Christians versus non-Christians in the world today. It gets smaller and smaller and smaller. I'm here to say one thing today. Jesus is winning in our world. Amen? Amen? Jesus is winning in our world. And we can have part in the winning team. This movement has gone on in waves. Right since the first wave of the apostles went into the nations, and then their disciples went further, and they went further. They were like the waves of the sea, coming one after the next after the next. And I believe that we're in a season and in a time where the greatest wave of the move of God is about to hit the planet Earth. Amen? Who wants to see a really big wave? Anyone? Okay, I come from Hawaii, so this is bringing a little bit of love, a bit of aloha from Maui, in fact. If we can have the wave video, I want to show you this wave as a little bit of a demonstration of what God is wanting to do now. You see, in the, the guy in the jet ski is pulling up the guy on the surfboard up to the top of this wave. And that's like the older generation. Pulls up the younger generation up to the top of the wave so that um, they can ride it. Now, it doesn't look like a very big wave, does it? Ah, it's looking a little bigger now. There you have it, and it's beginning to form. This is a pretty big wave. We'd like to surf this wave. And now the wave has crested and uh, our surfer has to be committed. There's no going back, right? And there's gonna become a time in this world where it says the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the waters, uh, will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And I believe it's gonna cover us all up. It's going to be about him, but there you go. You might pop out at the end. <laughs> if you hold on uh, tight enough to your commitment to serve the Lord, but there eventually will come a time where the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover everything up. 
and it's going to be an amazing season and an amazing time. I believe that we're in a period in human history where this wave is beginning to crest. What does this look like? What does this wave actually look like in the world today? We can have the Great Commission 2020 time lapse. Um, in California time, Pacific Standard Time, there is a ministry called GreatCommission2020.com. And what they do is they run different websites around the world, and this website brings all of the statistics together and shows you through this one internet ministry how many individuals have come and asked for the gospel message. Look at this. 1,086,338 have come onto this one internet ministry. 50,800 people have said they want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? And then 43,000 some have asked that they would be followed up with discipleship um, and they've given their information to learn more about Jesus. This is on one ministry where people are wanting to know about the good news. What else does this wave look like? It looks like people who are coming into a relationship to Jesus that have never, ever, ever heard the good news before. Never. In 2008, I was given a document like this thick of 657 people groups that um, have, have, are unreached and untargeted. For all intents and purposes, they're dead to the church. And these people groups were over uh, 100,000 or more people, some of them into the millions. Of those 657, today, there's only 15 left. They don't have a local, indigenous, self-sustaining, propelling church that's in their midst. And this has just happened in the last seven years. This wave is cresting. What else does this wave look like? I was in Singapore just a week or so, or two ago. Uh, I met this Indian evangelist that in the last couple years had planted 500 churches. <laughs> I met one of his colleagues uh, before in Hong Kong at another meeting, and, and this guy in about five-year period had planted 3,000 churches in North India. This is a place where the gospel had never gone before. What else does this, this wave look like? Well, it looks Chinese. <laughs> Who likes Chinese food? Yeah, I love the hot pot. We had one the other day with our, with our staff. It looks Chinese. A couple of months ago, we had five of the top leaders of the, 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 the home church movements in China. They met with us with a question. Um, and these guys, by the way, represent 50 million Chinese Christians, these five individuals. And these people had been one to the Lord in just the last 20 or so years. The wave looks Chinese. And you know what they want to do? They want to send out a million missionaries around the world. And they came to us and said, can you help us train them? And we're like, sure, why not? <laughs> We'd love to do that. You know, there are only 400,000 missionaries out in the world today. That would more than double the number of missionaries that are out preaching the good news. And they want to tackle the hard places, the Islamic world, Hindu world, 
and the Buddhist world. This wave is beginning to crest. And it is truly, truly an amazing phenomenon. Uh, one final thing that I just want to uh, say before I bring this home a little closer. 2003, Lauren Cunningham, our founder, made this bold statement. In 2020, YWAM and the body of Christ, those who want to get involved, I want you to, I want us, you to see that every home in the world gets a copy of the Bible. And you know what? People thought he was nuts. People thought, man, Lauren Cunningham is finally, woo -oo, woo -oo, woo -oo. you know, it's like this is never going to happen. Wycliffe was saying at the time, it would take 150 years to translate the Bible into, the into all the languages of the world. And so it was like, there's just a little bit of a problem here, Mr. Cunningham, you know. Um, recently, they were with us, and we started a partnership with them. Recently, they were with us in Kona and said, you know what? It's not going to take 150 years. It's going to take 15 years. It's speeding up. Isn't that amazing? Guys, what if the Broncos had won the Super Bowl? How would you be cheering? You know, I need, I need a little more love here, a little more, yeah. I mean, we're talking about the greatest move of, potential move of God and a global awakening. Awakening follows the Bible. And there's never been a true awakening of society that's revival in the church and then, and then there's society turning to Christ without the Bible going out first. We live in a world where the, land, the translations are happening. We have technology now to get the Bible into everyone's handhelds. You know, we just have to pay for advertising, right? <laughs> it gets easy. All you need is a couple hundred million probably dollars in advertising budget. But uh, we can do it. You know, Google, Microsoft, all these guys, they've got the O3B movement, the other three billion people that are not on the internet. They want to give them all handhelds. And so we can get the Word of God out. As the Word of God goes out, then when he, he, match, he, he, he strikes his match and revival happens in the church and then hits and detonates on society, we'll see this move of God. And it's going to be amazing. And the guys that are in there in their early teens, early mid-teens, you're going to be right at the center of this. That's going to be an exciting time. This wave is just starting to form. You want to be a part of it? Yeah. I want to be a part of it. You know, how though can, how can I, how can we be a part of it? We also have to recognize and realize that not everything is okay in the world. It's not all good news. There is significant push against the kingdom of God and the growth of the kingdom of God around the world. One of the challenges, and I just brought some uh, photos from my wife, Susie, She's a great photographer, and it's her work that's out there. Um, but there's a billion people on the planet that have still have not heard the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We still have 126 million children in the world who are pressed into child labor. Almost 3 billion people on our planet are living under $2 a day. We live in a world of over 20 million orphans. And we're missing 200 million women that statistics say should be here due to selective abortion, lack of food, medicine neglect, and human trafficking. 
We still have more than 17,000 people who die every day because of a lack of hunger, because of a hunger, because of a lack of food. That is crazy. When we live in a world of such plenty. The wave of God is beginning to build, and it's an incredible, faith-filled, hope-filled time. And yet, we see the challenges. And the challenges are more challenging, it seems. The glory of God is breaking through stronger, but the challenges are really there. What's God's big strategy to seeing his will accomplished in our world? You know what his incredible strategy that the God of the universe has thought up about how to see that wave become a reality? It's you. Amen? And it's me. <laughs> it's all of us working together. And we can engage and be involved in this because the Lord is our shepherd. Because the Lord is our shepherd. He knows how we tick. He knows our history. He knows our lives. And he comes to you and he says, you know what? You have a destiny. You have a hope. Your life can be used to change a whole nation. The thing that I love about this image of the shepherd from Psalm 23 is that it's a Jewish shepherd. Who, who, who's happy that Jesus is a Jewish shepherd? I tell you what, you don't want a New Zealander shepherd. In New Zealand, when I was growing up, we had 60 million sheep and 3 million people. <laughs> there were a lot of shepherds in New Zealand. But I'm really happy that Jesus is a Jewish shepherd and not a New Zealand shepherd. Because, you know, the Jewish shepherd, what, what happens is in the morning after the night, you know, they've penned up all of the sheep into the communal like sheep pen to look after them against wolves and coyotes and all that. And the shepherd comes into the sheep pen and he calls each of the sheep by name. Jesus calls your name. He knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows your education. He knows your resources. He calls you by name. And this is what the, the Jewish shepherd would do. And then the, the, the sheep would prick up their ears and they would hear and recognize the voice of the shepherd. And they would all flock around the shepherd. And he would greet them in love, with intimacy. And then what happens is then he would walk ahead of them and they would follow in a line, listening to his voice. They would follow the shepherd into the green pastures. They would trust him. They would know him. They would recognize his voice. You know what we do in New Zealand? We send out the sheepdogs. <laughs> you don't want a Kiwi, a New Zealand shepherd. So point number one. Are we listening to God calling us by name? Do we hear the voice of God? Do we hear him speak to us? If the Lord is our shepherd, it means that we recognize and know his voice. The one thing that we know about God in the Bible is that he speaks. You know how many times it says in the Bible that God speaks? It's like over a thousand times. That it says, God said, let there be light. God said, God said, God said. God is a communicating God. 
and he speaks to us. And you know, when he speaks, he creates. I love what astrophysicists have figured out about the universe. They, they figured out that it all comes from a, uh, everything. All of matter comes from a point many times smaller than the proton of an atom. Has anybody ever seen that before? Uh, no, you, it's good because you would have been on LSD or something <laughs> uh, if you would have seen that. It's impossible. It's, it's totally minute. And they say that, that from that speck of nothing, everything was created. Like, wow, that kind of sounds biblical. <laughs> I love that. But see, when God speaks, when God says, let there be light, he creates. God wants to co-create with you. Did you know that? God wants to co-create with you. What I mean by that is he wants to develop new realities that haven't yet existed through your life because you are unique. There's only one of you. You can only reach the world in your own particular unique way. And I, I tell this from experience. My wife Susie was out in Africa somewhere. She's always out in Africa or somewhere in the world. <laughs> you know, um, I stay home and look after the kids. And I was having my quiet time. Now, God speaks to us, guys, not when we're feeling all holy and like, ah, kumbaya, my Lord, you know. Uh, sometimes we think, oh, man, we've just got to be so holy and whatever for God to speak to us. God speaks to us in the midst sometimes of our sin and our compromise and our spiritual stagnancy and our trouble. He communicates to us. He's a gracious, loving, caring God. I was at a difficult place in 2009. There were people in our ministry that had, had sort of done the old, you know, uh, no, I'll put it nicely. Um, they, they, they were pressuring us. <laughs> Let me say it like that. They'd gone out, I felt, to destroy our ministry, destroy our reputation. And I was at a real low point. And I was like, God, I need to grow. I need to be more like you. I was sitting in my small apartment looking out on, over the blue Pacific Ocean, and the word of the Lord came to me. Oh, as I was saying, God, transform me into the image of the Lord Jesus. I really want to be like you. And you know what happened? The Lord spoke. He called me by name, and he spoke to me in a Kiwi accent. <laughs> Did you know New Zealand, God was a New Zealander? <laughs> but you didn't know that, right? Neither did I. But this is what he said, word for word. This is what I felt he said to me. He said, well, memorize the New Testament. That should do it for you. <laughs> I kind of splattered over my coffee like <laughs> uh, um, gulp, but I knew God was speaking. So I began to try and do that. I set out and, you know, I mean, I've got three kids. I've got responsibility, lots of ministry, like yada, 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 yada. Busy, busy, busy. And so I said, the only time I can do it is at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> And I got up at 3.50, made a big pot of coffee, and I'm not a morning person, or not that early morning person. Anyway, it's a big, long story, but I'll just cut it to the quick. Out of responding to that word of God to me, this whole movement of Bible engagement has started, called Word by Heart. And it's happened within a year. I've been asked from over 28 locations and all over the world to start Bible schools all over the world. And I'm there going like, how do I do this, God? I mean, this is like too fast. 
You know, God often works slower than you want him to and then faster, right? <laughs> He's always like keeping you on your toes to teach a character. And so what I want to say is it's not unique to me. God wants to work with you. He calls you by name. What is the part that you have to play? Because you all have a part. You are called by God. God created you and he knows you. He knows you. He knows you. The second thing is, do you recognize his voice? Sometimes that's a challenging thing, right? It's like, is this God speaking to me? Or was this too much pizza last night? You know, that, you know, whoa, that was a heavy pizza and you were having hallucinations all night long. <laughs> you know? Was that God or was that the pizza? Or, or how do I recognize the voice of God? Because the sheep know the shepherd's voice. The Lord is my shepherd. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. So how do we know that it's God? We can do a couple of things. We can quieten our voice. I know we all have busy, busy, busy lives. We all do. But are you willing to get to that quiet, be still and know that I am God? So often we're distracted by things, yeah? Does anyone sort of relate to me with that? It's like, you know, life is a... I'm a hamster rat, woo you know, and it's just like so busy. Sometimes the busyness can, God is speaking and we hear it, but we don't recognize it because we're too involved with stuff. He's still a know that I am God. Do we recognize his voice? Um, final point. Then we need to follow the shepherd. Like, you know, the sheep follow the shepherd. Uh, guys, that is so important that we actually put boots on the ground and do it. And sometimes that's easier said than done. The Lord is leading us to green pastures. He's leading us to eternal life. And eternal life is not only for the distant future. It's for here today that we experience life abundant and life to the full. But sometimes the journey of getting to that green pasture can be rocky. The shepherd knows. Because you know what? The shepherd has been there. The shepherd has been there. He's close to his sheep. He knows the reality of the situation. Today, we live in a world where it's so hard for so many of our brothers and sisters to follow the Lord Jesus. Did you know that? As you read the news, you see our brothers and sisters. Oh, it's, just, it's just crazy how, how the church has been so impacted people being martyred for their faith in Jesus. Following the shepherd has gotten hard for some. My wife Susie was in Nigeria. She's very brave. We can have the slides for Paulina Monti. Uh, she met this woman here. And this woman, uh, you can see here the scar across her, her face. And she was struck down with a machete. If we go to the next slide, you can see how they mutilated her hand. They did this to her because she's a Christian. Uh, and this is something that is just so prevalent in this part of the world. Uh, there's a young man named Stephen, if we can have the next slide. Uh, and I can't show you his face, just a smile. He is an evangelist in this part of Nigeria. He says, you know what? There's never been a greater time to preach the gospel. And every day we see scores of people uh, who, are, who are extremists come to the Lord Jesus. I can't show you his face because they want to kill him, but I can show you his smile. He's the most joyful person. What we've begun to do 
as we've begun, if we can have the next slide, to rebuild these churches. You know, in the last three years, 300 churches have been destroyed in northern Nigeria. But they still remain. Um, but, and they worship the Lord in the ruins of their churches. So what we did as a ministry, we said, you know what? We'll help you rebuild your churches. It only takes $4,000 to help these guys rebuild their, 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 their church family home. And uh, if we can have the next slide, here we are. We helped them put the roof on. And they're so stoked. They're, and, and it's not just the fact that they get their church building back. It's the fact that people around the world love them. That they love them enough where they can give a shout out. In the last year and a half, since we were here last, we've rebuilt six of these churches. And I believe this year, we can build 60 more. I said this to a friend of mine, and he wrote out a check for five churches. He said, sure, I'll help you with that. So we have five to start with, and we're going to do this. And all of this is, in, in two weeks, I'm going to be in Nigeria, where we're going to meet the, the top government leaders to be able to strategize how the West can respond a little bit more, taking government uh, leaders from Germany, from the Bundestag in Germany, like the parliament in Germany. We're going to talk about uh, this reality and also some other things to really see the kingdom of God grow there. I've got two minutes left. I want to leave you with a challenge. The Lord is your shepherd. He knows you. He knows you by name. Do you recognize his voice? And are you willing to follow him no matter the cost? Because, guys, it's not, though the world is not one through like a big, huge thing that's out there somewhere. It's one when we take little steps of obedience. And prayer, prayer changes things. Sometimes we're in a part of the world and I'm just like, oh, this is so hard. And then something lifts. And I go, you know what? I know someone's praying right now. I know someone's, someone's engaging with us in prayer. You can send someone else through your finances. The kingdom of God expands not only through finances, but finance enables the work to happen. If we had 240,000, we could rebuild 60 churches in northern Nigeria that have been blown up and destroyed by the Al-Qaeda over there. All we need is the money, see? So your finances help the kingdom of God expand. You through your own service, helps the kingdom of God expand. Is the Lord calling you to go? Go across the street. Or go back to JFC on Tuesday or Wednesday night to hear the vision of what's going on here. Maybe that's your baby step. Yeah? That's a good one. Uh, you know, or maybe it's going across the street to your neighbor. What is your step? Hope arises when we obey the Lord Jesus. Why don't we just uh, have a moment of pause and silence and just listen to the Lord speak to us. Put some slides up just uh, on, the, on the screens there and just let's just wait on the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are your sheep. Thank you that you speak to us. Speak to us individually, Lord God on how we can use our lives to serve your vision for our world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.